0: Welcome to Nevada Wild brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Sanchez joined by co-host Aaron Keller and today we have our Outdoor Connection Coordinator Bobby Jones. Thanks Bobby for joining.
2: Thanks for having me Ashley.
0: Of course and you're the perfect guest for this topic because we're talking wild game and right now we wanted to cover this because hunters are out. We have Tons of seasons underway. This is the time of year hunters are out harvesting and bringing back their harvested game and filling up their freezers. Um, We do this podcast all the time, but this time we have a little twist to it because Bobby actually gave me some of the game he harvested and I turned it into a recipe. So I had never done that before in all the times we've talked about wild game on this podcast. So kind of exciting, guys.
1: Very exciting. Yeah I feel like uh, maybe I should have done the introduction because you're going to be doing most of the talking
0: today. I know it felt weird I'm like so do I keep talking about it or (laughs) do I?
1: (laughs) Yeah this is a great time of year for us I mean as hunters and and even anglers the fall fishing is a great time to be outside and I feel relaxed talking about wild game cooking and butchering and harvesting it's it's nothing but positive because if you're to that point then you've had a Really successful hunt, and uh, yeah, everybody's happy.
0: That's very true, and I'm excited to finally get to join in on, I'm always, I think in these podcasts, I'm always sitting there like, oh, that sounds so good, that sounds so good, but then I never actually have cooked anything because it's intimidating.
2: So, so let's start with that, Ashley. Um, what did you cook?
0: Well, you, one day I came into the office, and um, you told me, you messaged me on teams and said, there's something in the freezer. And I went to the freezer and you had some, um, I don't know the proper term. It was ground venison, basically. And, um, and then I was like, I need a recipe. And we, we do our foodie Fridays and I believe we've posted it. And it was Christy crab trees. Um, it was actually elk enchilada, but I used the venison in it. And this is a recipe I would have looked at and thought I could never cook it because it looks so good, but it looks like it would be really hard to cook and then add wild game to it on top of that. And it's intimidating. And I did it and I sent you guys the picture and I said it wasn't that pretty, but you guys said it looked good. So I'm going to post it with this podcast because it was so good. And then I told you, and it feels so fulfilling. The whole process was fun. I told you, I'm not going to lie. I'm still a little weirded out by a wild game just I don't know I'm getting used to it but it still was so good and then my boyfriend he I we both cooked it so that's a fun activity to do um, with the family or whoever friends whatever you want to do and um, he had it and he has his hunter education and everything but he's never like hunted big game and he's like I have to start hunting this because this tastes amazing and it really was so good it's like The meat is so rich and it was just, I don't know. I don't think it would have been as good with ground beef. I just need to overcome this feeling of, for some reason, it's weird to me. I can't explain it. It's not the taste. It's more just, I'm eating a deer. (laughs) But it was exciting and it's so good and I'm proud that I cooked, cooked something with wild game and enchiladas. I've never made enchiladas. So we'll definitely be, uh, I'll share the picture. That will be the podcast picture for this episode.
1: Yeah, when you were saying that you, um, you know, that I said send us a picture and you're like, I don't know if it looks that good. I was expecting a lot worse. Like, I don't (laughs) know how good of a a cook you are. (laughs) So I I mean, I was expecting a lot worse, but it looks really good. Like if you, I would definitely eat that.
0: Okay, good. I, yeah, I was, well, the whole thing is I'm not a huge cook because it, intimidates me. And then cooking with wild game is even more scary. So I think that's why I'm so proud. And I just did this last night. Monday night didn't take that much time. Um, Sometimes you want to meal prep on weekends, but the recipe was easy enough that I could make come home from work and make it on a Monday night. And I highly recommend the Nevada foodies recipes or um, I know Hank Shaw's also done some of our foodie Fridays on Facebook and now we're posting them to Instagram. Those recipes are, I mean, the one I tried is amazing and it was not hard at all. So get on there and give it a try. Um, yeah,
1: be- besides being awesome people, Christy and Hank Shaw are both awesome to be around and talk to.
0: Exactly.
1: They really break it down and make their recipes easy. They're real simple. They're not—you na- know all natural type ingredients that are easy to uh, pick up anywhere. It's not like something super special or specific that you need to hunt down or uh, lack of a better I guess, pun intended. you know
0: other than the wild <laughs> game the rest of the recipes <laughs> are pretty easy to get so right. um yeah and then i was telling you guys it makes me want to try just keep trying more and then so bobby you're gonna have to both of you keep on hunting and feel free to share the wealth with me <laughs> and um i want to try more recipes and then aaron you were saying like it even like with you it made you go to a restaurant and you're like i could almost cook this with game
1: Um, yeah i've I've talked about it in uh in other podcasts what um it's hard for my wife and i to go out to eat for like valentine's day or like a special occasion because my wife has become such a good cook And that's because we'll go to a restaurant or she'll look like on Cooking Channel or Food Network and she'll find recipes. And because I like to hunt and I like to fish, she'll incorporate some of that wild game. And and it's for me, it's still kind of intimidating, but she makes it look easy. So yeah, I I, I commend you. You're trying trying new things and uh, never cooked enchiladas before, never cooked with wild game. And sounds like it was a success.
0: It was. I'm excited for lunch, actually, because it was a huge platter of them. So that's going to be my lunch today.
2: Yeah, we'll have to go, you'll have to uh, look back at the posts that you've done in some of the different places and find other recipes that you want to try. And I imagine between Erin and I, we we have the meat that you'll need to do it. It's just, you know, how far you want to go or how fast you want to go.
0: Exactly. And then it's crazy because I post those Bobby sends me um, recipes I've turned them or I post them onto Facebook and they always look so good but I've just never I'm the poster of those and I've never (laughs) tried one.
2: It's it's funny I just I hope people go and follow and click the links because you know Hank and Christy are really good ambassadors and like you guys were saying the recipes are easy but you know this is all built around wild game it's not you know uh, a beef recipe that you're putting wild game into. And it in an outlines on different ones. Like for this one, it says elk enchiladas, but you can do it with pronghorn or deer. I mean, there's, mm. there's different things and different types of meats that are similar so they can be substituted. And um, you but you get to feel that out and learn as you go. That's probably not something that someone goes, oh, well you sure you could swap that out for deer or elk, but if you're you, you're probably not thinking that right off the
0: bat exactly like i had to have the directions from you but now i'll start to think it through more and then so you guys have got me cooking wild game i'm still not out in the field hunting it so that's the next step if i decide to do that but right now i'm fine i i like that this whole sharing thing we have going on
1: (laughs) right and uh for me when i look back at those facebook posts like they're I, i i smile when you know people say in the comments you know that was my favorite childhood recipe or, you know, oh, I love that when you, you know, being able to cook this or that, whether it's quail or big game or whatever it is, you know, cause people move around. So some of the recipes come from like the Midwest or back East or from different countries. And I think it's really cool like to just kind of step outside of your comfort zone and to cook like that is, is pretty cool.
0: Exactly. And um, Aaron, you said there's now, I mean, I'm going to have to think of something to contribute, but it becomes this fun, like, bartering game we have going on. <laughs> like, you said that you traded uh, beef jerky for oh, yeah. apple so, so butter. For
1: me, yeah, not beef jerky. You're, you're,
0: I mean, not beef. I just call it beef jerky, but jerky. <laughs> but what kind of jerky was it?
1: <laughs> yep, I made antelope elk and deer jerky. And I tried a different recipe, and the first ingredient was actually Coca-Cola, which for me, I was kind of like, oh, you know, it's got a lot of sugar and stuff in it, but I used teriyaki and a few other things and, and kind of made like a sweet and spicy jerky and uh, did it on my Traeger, and me and the boys were just eating all sorts of it, so then I packaged up these little packages and brought them into the office and and traded them out for some apple butter and some fresh apples off of the tree and so it was a good it was a fair trade the the jerky didn't make it out of the office once i handed <laughs> it over i ate it right away but
0: that's funny and then bobby you said you got into it because you have tomatoes
2: yeah i i went for the apple butter with um you know, fresh cherry tomatoes and tomatoes out of our garden we did a lot of a lot of tomatoes this year And and that's another piece on the, like on the cooking piece that, you know, we were essentially ruined on restaurants, kind of like um, Aaron is, because we started cooking well enough that we didn't want to go. And, you know, over the last handful of months, there hasn't, it hasn't been the same experience. So we've, we've really tried harder to, hey, use the vegetables out of our garden and, you know, the meat that we've got and, you know, make, make good stuff out of it. So it's been a lot of fun.
0: Very cool. Yeah. You know when um, you're ruined, when you get to the point when you go to a restaurant and you're just like, that's my goal to get like that. And then you're just like, I could have made this better.
1: <laughs> you're so, close.
0: Yeah. You're just a, a a of yeah. A few more enchiladas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a few more recipes and then I'll have it down. And then um, I want, I don't think we have time to fully get into it now, but I do want to get into how everything we're talking about right now is a real life example of wild harvest. Um, So let's go to a quick break and we'll be right back. You're listening to Nevada Wild. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to ndow.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. Today, we are talking about wild game cooking. We have Aaron Keller and then our Outdoor Connection Coordinator, Bobby Jones. Clearly, he helps connect people with the outdoors and the different things you could do outdoors he even got me cooking wild game as we talked about in the first half of the podcast so um during the break Aaron you were saying you're in the middle of a bit of a meat crisis
1: yeah yeah so for a meat crisis it's terrible it's a terrible spot to be in but for me a meat crisis is like when I get like below a certain point where I have to like start managing it and moving stuff around to find what i want Um, normally you know we have plenty of meat on hand just because i do like to go hunting and i like to help other people go hunting and um but yeah i'm in a a little bit of a meat crisis i don't have all those choice cuts of meat so we're down to we're down to some some stuff where we got to be creative
0: Okay, which, I mean, after talking to you guys, it doesn't sound like it's that, it sounds like you guys are pros at getting creative from what you are saying <laughs> with the wild game.
1: Yeah, and it could be, I mean, be, getting creative doesn't have to be like this long, drawn-out process, right? So you could just, getting creative could mean um, instead of using pork fat or beef fat alone, which is kind of weird anyway, I think, Um you can go and buy smoked peppered bacon and grind that with your deer meat and then you got basically bacon cheeseburgers that are you know are going to be the hit of the party especially now with sports and stuff going off. Oh yeah. You have people come over for dinner. Bacon cheeseburger is uh is a, is a pretty big hit.
0: That sounds good to me.
2: <laughs> got it. And from where I'm at, or I I think I've changed over the last couple of years to make sure we have more different stuff and trying new recipes is when we process animals, trying to keep more things intact and whole. So making sure like when we pull the back straps off, we're keeping them in very big chunks um, instead of staking them out and, you know, keeping other chunks of meat intact and whole so we can do different types of recipes like a neck roast or keeping the shanks intact to do a a different shank recipe which has given us a lot of room to play and then like Aaron's saying he's in a meat crisis I'm still doing pretty good but it's also managing through time so like I have you know doe antelope from a few years ago but it's because antelope's one of my favorites and I try to conserve some of it and if you you package it up well it stays for a year so you're safe there. Yeah it's well
1: I got two growing kids and they love it so they're, uh, you know, stuff from last season doesn't, it, it very rarely goes like more than one season. So I got that's why I had to be successful. I'm trying to get something.
0: The pressure's on.
1: But yeah, that's a good point about the keeping your pieces of meat in bigger chunks because, you know, all growing up and even through college, um, I, that's all we did was we'd stake up what we could and then we would grind the rest. And whether that grind went into burger or sausage was just depending on how much time we had um but it wasn't until like i think our second wild game cooking class that we taught because we teach outside of of the pandemic um we teach wild game cooking classes had nothing to it and then we teach them we used to teach them down in las vegas as well which we're looking for a spot down in las vegas for when we know when when these classes resume so if anybody knows the location down there in southern Nevada let us know um but yeah it wasn't until like the second class that I learned to not cut my back straps and my large chunks of meat down into like steaks right away because you uh, you right out of the gate you limit yourself on the recipes you could pick and uh, that was one of the things I learned yeah and and Ashley,
2: I don't know if it's clear to you, um, sitting where you're at, but so for grind or ground meat for most big game species, if you're processing it yourself or you're sending it to a processor, they're mixing in fat from other oh, places okay. because that meat is so lean that most recipes that you're accustomed to, you you couldn't do without adding some amount of fat in wild game meat, um, you end up cutting out a lot of what that fat is. It, It has a lot of, it contains a lot of what people like to say, that gaming flavor, right? And so you're mixing in, and you actually had ground meat with bacon, because I've got, I've started doing that the last couple of years. Um, For me, it's also really easy, because it comes in pieces, and I can cut it up and mix it in to the grind a lot easier than chunking out fat or using a a fatty piece of meat to mix in.
0: Okay, yeah, I had no idea. That's how it worked,
1: so... (laughs) And then I started doing that when I was in, in college and I, I switched from fat, just plain fat to um, pork shoulder. And so I would just cube up pork shoulder and it's pork shoulder is not expensive, you know, but I, I didn't want, I started getting to this place where I was like, I don't want to put something into the meat that I wouldn't eat just on its own. Right. Mm-hmm. It kind of didn't make sense. And, and I think that's a, that's one of those like progressions to like, taking pride in what you put in your freezer and taking pride in what you cook is that you want to make sure it tastes the best that you can and so for hunters um maybe um taking that next step to harvesting your own food then pack then butchering it yourself rather than taking it to somebody else and then to ultimately to cooking it is like kind of a a progression of like taking ownership of, of what you're eating which is I think how a lot of people
0: go through. I agree. That's And I can't imagine how it would feel to take it all the way from the field all the way through the process just with how proud I felt to turn wild game into something. Just the, the whole, I don't know. I just feel like I can't imagine how you'd feel if you, were, you hunted it, butchered it, did everything to the minute it got on the dinner table.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of fun we've talked about these in other podcasts too where it's like you want to take pride in in like sharing that with somebody right mm-hmm. and so there's been times in the past when I've had plenty of time on my hands to to butcher my deer or to butcher my animal and so I'll I'll have even written on the on the butcher paper like archery 2020 you know I'll put some like details of the hunt on that package and Every time you pull a package out, it's like, all over again.
0: yeah, you're like, I remember this experience. Nope. So Bobby, Wait. what's the story on that um, venison that I got? Oh,
2: the story on the venison that you got was, uh, that's a deer from last season in 035. So nope. rifle deer season in Nevada, um, almost not a year to the day, give or take 11 months ago.
0: And you said you grounded it yourself and everything.
2: Yeah. So I, but I grew up. We grew up butchering meat at home, and then, you know, my uncle that I spend a lot of time with, he has, uh, he has a butchering um, shop mm-hmm. in his house for wild game. So I kind of grew up around it. Uh, so I've I've got that kind of backstory. But yeah, and I, it's work. I guess there is. It is a process, but. You're, that's that taking pride and knowing where it came from and doing it yourself piece that I, I get a lot out of. It's, it's kind of the same as you know, walking off the mountain with an animal, that like sweaty work process is something like I appreciate a lot. Like walking out and it requiring effort, that, that matters. So doing the work on the back end processing um, is something I really enjoy.
0: Exactly. Um, And we were saying how this is, I mean, before when I tossed to the break, I was saying this is all of what we're doing, even down to the um, apple butter that someone else in our office is making or the apples someone else is um, picking. It's all an example of this wild harvest initiative, which Bobby, you've been working on really trying to promote. Could you explain it just a little bit?
2: Yeah. And in the past, Shane has come on and he gives a really in-depth description of the effort as a whole in north america right so we're trying to we're one of the states that's part of the process and it's trying to measure this what it means economically what it means socially and the sharing of the meat um, what it means to the bottom line for each state and then trying to put dollar values to some of that too just to show like hey this is a really productive renewable resource that we want to maintain and conserve through time and so what we've done um, texas was the first state but they've put out some data on what wild harvested meat looks like there and what sharing looks like there and we're going to go through a process where we'll send a survey out to hunters here which we would really like you to fill out if you get that's going to try to put some context to hey do you you know share does everyone in your household eat the meat do you share outside of your household and how often and um, how much did you harvest and, and trying to put some context to how much that motivates people or what motivates them to get into the field. Because it is, it's it's fascinating how much people share and how much it matters. And this is like trying to measure and quantify that. Because I can say personally for me, where I'm coming from, you know, sharing that meat with you and not like I have in the back of my mind, like what that means to have that. But then to hear that you've tried it and experienced it and like had this really positive experience whether you ever hunt in your life or not like I get something out of just that. That's a that's a really fun thing for me.
0: Exactly and then I got a really good meal out of it so it's just good win-win for everyone.
1: Yeah and and that the initiative and doing the survey there's so much right it's so much information to try and wrap your head around that this is just the first step kind of where we're headed. Um, reading through the survey questions, I mean you could just go and go and go, right, but we have to stay somewhere and right and,
2: well no and there's other context to it too, like you know so if you took that away, what would it take to to recreate that much meat, or if you had to do it in vegetables, you know how much how much habitat wildlife habitat would you have to you know plow to turn over to turn into more ag production and like there are different you know pros and cons, but uh essentially just trying to measure this renew- the renewable resources we enjoy, whether it's, you know, wild game meat, it's other places, you know, mushroom foraging is really a big thing. Here there's, you know, Christmas tree harvest, people get firewood. Um, it, so it, it does kind of reach around a little bit more in terms of context there.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest standout for me is when we talk about wild harvests is in Nevada, we're the driest state in the union to replace the amount of, of wild game and wild harvest that goes on here. We just don't have enough water to even get started. Um, most of Nevada is dry and that just the infrastructure would take, I mean it would be it would be almost impossible.
2: And we're starting with you know wild game meat. Eventually you know recreational fishing and commercial, that, that kind of stuff we, we would like to have quantified as well. We're starting here, but that's also part of this effort because when you take both of those things combined, like that's, you know, you're relying on those fisheries as these huge sources of, of food. Um, and in a lot of places in the planet, you know, um, offshore fishing, you know, drives their business and subsistence, so it's, you know, massively important to those places.
0: Right. Exactly, and um, if anyone wants, you should go back. I, it was probably it was toward the beginning of the year. We did a two-part podcast with Shane Mahoney. He talks about his who he is, his story, and then the second part is all about um, Wild Harvest Initiative, and it's really interesting. It makes you think about things completely differently. So,
2: well, and it's it's funny. One of the his examples he uses sometimes is talking about what you would share with someone. And I was thinking about it while we were sitting here is if I went to the grocery store today and bought like New York strips and packaged them up, I wouldn't like show up to your house and be like, Hey, this is this really nice New York strip. I bought at Rayleigh's because it was, you know, $6.99. It, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't make any sense, but I give you a package of, you know, ground venison and you take it home and get to try this recipe. And, you know, it's a super fun experience. And, and it means more to you, even though you didn't go out and get that animal there's still something else underlying there
0: exactly like aaron wouldn't have come to the office with a packet of beef jerky even though i called it beef jerky and be like right. look what i brought and then lynn or chris shows up with his store-bought bag of apples <laughs> let's trade hey let's trade <laughs> that's, that that's a good point there so yeah.
1: well are well, i'm at- proud of you ashley for uh for for stepping out of your comfort zone and Going straight for, for venison is, uh, is a big step, but I think it is something that a lot of people take and looking forward to hearing about the next, the next thing you cook.
0: Yeah, it was about time that I tried it and thank you to Bobby for really pushing me. It was perfect timing because we were actually going to do this podcast and Bobby's like, you know what you should do before we do the podcast is try actually cooking it and it was like mind blown we didn't we
1: didn't end up there by accident bobby a little while ago he was gonna i i was
2: encouraging you not pushing you it was just just re re offering
1: well i
0: really appreciated that little that encouragement so and you weren't i will rephrase that you were not pushy about it at all you were just like you didn't even bring it up after you sent me home with the meat so hey i
2: i didn't want your you know the listeners thinking i forced (laughs)
0: no no you didn't but i do appreciate it and that's all the time we have so thank you bobby for joining us and thank you everyone for listening that does it this week for nevada Wild.